the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. After the hour of 9 o'clock, as we begin on this Thursday, the 14th morning, the Valentine's morning of the month of September, or September, excuse me, I don't know where that came from, in the month of February in the year of our Lord, uh, 2019. Thanks for being with us. It's over 1,100 pages long. This bill, to avoid a shutdown that would start tomorrow, to simply fund border security, somehow managed to become over 1,100 pages long. It will not be read by the members of Congress before the vote is called. No one is going to have an opportunity to read over 1,100 pages of traps, of distortions, of added lines, of landmines that are going to be in this thing, and they're going to vote on it. The Democrats are back in power, and you know what that means. When the Obamacare legislation was proposed, you remember what then-Speaker of the House Nancy Pelosi said. We've got to pass it. Then we'll read it to see what's in it. The same thing is happening now that Nancy Pelosi is back in power again. They are waiving the customary 72-hour period of time after a bill is finally written to be read, absorbed, analyzed, so that a that an intelligent vote, so that an informed vote can be made. They are waiving that period of time, and they're going to vote on it today. Then the Senate is going to vote on it also without having read it, and it's going to uh, allow for about 55 miles of border to be built, and it is going to essentially give the Democrats everything else that they want. In exchange for a meager 55 miles, it's going to give the Democrats everything that they want. And it has Republicans and conservatives everywhere saying, Mr. President, maybe it's time for the veto stamp. Maybe it's time to put the big red veto stamp to work. Dip in the ink, slam it right on their faces. No way should this be allowed to go through. Now, the only thing that we can hope is that, again, the president does have a plan B. There is a backup. There is a fail-safe. There is a fallback plan. Call it what you will. We can only hope the president, when he says, I might sign this begrudgingly, but uh, we will find the border money elsewhere. I don't know what that elsewhere is. Nobody else does either. If he's just talking about declaring an emergency and thus having to face the court challenge that comes along with one, then we're not going to get our border wall built before he's done being president. Because this particular spending bill, if he signs it, essentially is an omnibus, and it's going to carry us through the end of the fiscal year in September. Maybe that's where I got September a moment ago. That is exactly what the fear is. And this bill is going to be horrific. It's horrific in that nobody can read it, but from what we do know, the few choice keywords that we do know that are in it, we know 
uh, that it is going to be a terrible deal for the American people. Here's a report from Fox News. $2.37 billion total in border security funding, of which $1.375 billion is for, quote, fencing in the RGV sector, $725 million for technology, $270 million for facility improvements. But remember, it does have that path to a reduction in ICE detention beds. But that's not all that's in here. Some highlights, as noted in a press release put out early this morning by one of the architects of the bill, Democratic Congresswoman Nita Lowy, who is the chairwoman of the House Appropriations Committee, says it includes a 1.9% pay raise to federal civilian workers, which she notes, quote, overrides the president's decision to deny them that. It includes $3.8 billion invested in the census. $3.8 billion invested in the census and a whole lot of other stuff that has nothing to do with border security. There is a mess in front of the president. It's going to be in front of the president's desk. Let's put it that way. Uh, sooner rather than later. And it is something that, um, I'll be honest with you. I'm very, very nervous about. I am very nervous about. I do understand the need to avoid a shutdown. I do understand that the president does not want to be caught in a situation where, look, his approval ratings are bouncing back now that the shutdown has ended. I've got a story, a story in front of me from Gallup. The president's approval rating had slumped all the way down to 37% during the shutdown. And now it is up to 44%. So the president is surging as the economy continues to surge, as jobs continue to surge, as the pro-growth agenda by the president of the, laid out by the president of the United States and some of his colleagues in, uh, in the Congress continue to take effect. The president is doing well. He does not want to go back to being blamed for another shutdown. Yet he cannot allow his base to be so disappointed that they will lose enthusiasm for supporting him by not getting him the border wall built that he had promised he would. And the bottom line here is that both of those things can happen. If he signs on to this bill, he avoids the shutdown. Yay. He avoids the blame from the American people and the uh, the bottoming out of, uh, of his poll numbers again. That's great. But if he, uh, if he does, if he doesn't sign the bill, I mean, think about it in these terms. You've got a base of supporters who, in fact, it goes beyond his base. This is the real crux of the issue. You know, as far as the political side of all of this goes, the president has not, in my view, played politics too terribly much in his first years. He knows that a lot of the things that he was. He said he was going to do them in uh, in his campaign, and he won, which means the people are going to get what they wish, right? So he knew, you know, the vast majority of them anyway. So, so the crux of the issue is here: the president has not cared too much about politics or popularity in that st- that sense of the word with a lot of the decisions he's made because he promised that people that he would give them, and he's done a great job of living up to those promises. You know, not all of them yet; some of them are out of his control, but he's done a great job of that. But but in this case, it's not just his base. He would be pleasing if he vetoed this, it, it, despite the popularity decline during the last shutdown, because some 66% of Americans surveyed have said they want a border wall. That's more than, two, well, that is two-thirds of the American people. So it's such a conundrum for the president, because he knows that if the government shuts down, all of the media turn toward him and blame him, and then his popularity takes a huge hit as the election cycle gets ready to be ramped up, the 2020 cycle, with there's already a half dozen Democrat-declared candidates. So, you know, he's got that to deal with, 
He knows his popularity is going to plummet if there's a shutdown. But if he vetoes in the interest of getting the wall, and I mean more than 55 miles of it, but what he promised the people, he has to realize he'd not only be energizing his base, he'd also be pulling some moderates, centrists, or non-Trump loyalists along with him. Because again, his base isn't 66% of the population, but 66% of the population support the wall. So what does he do? Should he sign this thing tomorrow, or should he bring the big veto stamp out and, and just put it across Nancy Pelosi's forehead? That's what I feel like he should do, unless he's got a long game. Does he have a strategy to get that money elsewhere that will not include um, declaring an emergency, thus triggering a court challenge that will go longer than the rest? Of, than this bill would have gone into September? If he signs this bill, it goes to September, and then we have the fight again. The court challenge is going to take longer than that before it uh, works its way through. So what does the president do? What should the president do? Let me tell you this. I don't have the answer to what the president should do, although I do have a feeling I feel like he, you know I want him to, to veto this. But uh, I will tell you this. What the American Congress just did, what the House of Representatives, and, 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 and we, well, it was, a, it was a conference committee, so it was bipartisan. I can't blame it all on the Democrats, but then Democrats are calling the shots. The Democrats are the ones inserting poison pills into an 1,100-page travesty, and the Republicans are essentially powerless to stop it, or they're just, they don't want to. They're eunuchs. They don't, they don't, they don't have the guts to do anything to, uh, to get in the way. But, but here's, here's the, 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 the bottom line with it all. This is why we hate government. This is directed. Nine twenty-one. Now the Bob France Authority continues on AM fourteen twenty. The answer. Appreciate you being with us. Uh, uh, Rob Frost is the uh, chairman of the Republican Party of Cuyahoga County. Joining us once again on AM fourteen twenty. The answer with a little look and a little reaction to somewhat. Well, it's kind of reaction and preview, I guess, combined. Talking about uh, the uh, new border bill, the eleven hundred page monstrosity that is uh, going to be ramrodded through the Congress and then eventually voted on by, or excuse me, signed or vetoed by the president. Rob uh, and I'm having a hard time punching Rob up on this uh, line. Could you grab him for me over there, Samuel? Rob Frost, can you hear me? Okay. There I am. Hey, Bob. There. Got you now. Thank you, buddy. Sorry about that little glitch. Uh, so, Rob, good to talk to you again. We're going to talk about the Lincoln Day dinner coming up one week from tonight. Looking forward to that event. Uh, but uh, let's get into the news of the day. You just ran a promo. Obviously, we just aired a promo, I should say, that you voiced talking about the need for this border wall. What is your right. view of this 1,100-page uh, monstrosity that gives just enough funding for about 55 miles of what was supposed to be hundreds of miles of border security? Well, let me pick up where you left off, Bob, because there are a lot of reasons not to like what's about to be passed. Uh, Representative Tom Graves, who's on the conference committee, uh, didn't sign off on it because he was given about a, a half hour to an hour to even review this 1,100-page bill. There's lots of reasons not to like what's being done. But I want to pick up on something you said, which is maybe the president has a long game here. Maybe he uh, is welcoming this. Maybe he'll sign it. It wasn't everything he wanted. And so I want for a moment to assume that that if the president has a plan here, uh, probably under the National Emergencies Act, to uh, declare a national emergency, direct other funding that he has available into building more of the wall, if that's the case, then I like this deal. And let me tell you three reasons why I like it, Bob. Uh, the first okay. is we've now got the Nancy Pelosi House. Nancy Pelosi, a speaker who said that, that walls are immoral, 
now funding about a third of the president's request, $1.7 billion towards a wall. So apparently walls aren't immoral. We, we've won that argument there. A significant amount of funding, nowhere near what it would take uh, to build the entire amount or even to do what the president wanted to do in this year. Uh, but it's a, it's a moral victory, pardon the pun. It's not immoral to build a wall. Walls are needed. We need to define uh, the borders of our country. Uh, number two, I agree with that wholeheartedly. Ice. Absolutely, absolutely. It doesn't cap ICE detentions. Uh, and again, uh, the Alexandria Ocasio Cortez uh, House, uh, that wing, you know, let's, uh, let's get rid of ICE, let's ban ICE. Um, well, this not only doesn't uh, cap ICE detentions, it funds it more uh, than, than they were funded last year. It funds it at the actual level plus some so that they can do what they were doing in the current year and expand their operations. So again, we're not going to abolish ICE. We're going to fund ICE. We're going to support border security. Uh, it actually has all told not just the $1.7 billion for the physical barrier, but all told $25 billion for border security. Uh, it is progress in that direction. And, and I said three reasons. Here's the third reason I like it. Uh, under the National Emergencies Act, this is absolutely constitutional. I'm not worried about overreach of executive power if the president has this long game plan. Uh, he can declare an emergency. There's not a lot in that 1977 law for what is an emergency. And if the Congress disagrees... Uh, they can reverse a presidential declaration of an emergency. And you can bet the House under Speaker Pelosi will uh, introduce and most likely pass a resolution to reverse it. I welcome that. I like this because that can happen. That's an important check and balance. And that's where we get to see who really stands with us. Uh, if, if there are uh, congressmen uh, and women, uh, members of the House, members of the Senate, who feel they need to vote for this funding bill, but they're going to stand with the president on the wall, they're going to have their chance. In the House, it might be a, a purpose vote showing where they stand, even if the House Democrats can still pass the resolution. But it can't get through the Senate unless Republicans break ranks. The Republicans are going to need to stand with the president uh, when that comes on back around if there is such a long game plan. I think there is. We have seen it from this president before. Uh, he thinks in the big picture. Uh, he thinks long-term. Uh, he has a strategy here. So I'm comfortable with it in that sense. I'm really not comfortable with the fact that they're putting out an 1,100-page bill uh, with an, less than an hour for the conference committee to review it. Uh, that's the sausage-making that is the reason people disgust what happens and uh, are disgusted with what happens in Washington, D.C. too often. You know, there's, no, there's no doubt about that. Um, are, are you, not, you didn't mention the, the court challenge part. You talked about Congress uh, passing something to, to uh, de declare that the president cannot do this. But what about just the moment the president declares an emergency? It's going to get a court challenge, which is going to trigger months and months and months of, of court hearings before we eventually get to the Supreme Court. By that time, we'll be into the new fiscal year, and there'll be time for a new funding fight anyway. Perhaps, but I actually think before you would get into those months and months in the courts, you would have a congressional vote, up or down. And if the uh, majority of the Congress can't pass a resolution to reverse the president's decision, I think your legal decision then in the courts is clear. You'd have motions to dismiss. I think you would have any temporary stays lifted at that point. Uh, the president could uh, proceed with, with that, even while there might be suits that, uh, that uh, persist on through the court system. 
One of the other things, Rob, that, that, that really bothers me is, again, all of this stuff that has nothing to do with the border uh, security, which is what this, this conference committee was put together to do, this bipartisan committee was put together to do. They're, they're also, uh, again, you know, you talked about no, no cap on ICE det- detentions, but there is a cap on the number of beds that can be uh, used as far as the detention of illegal immigrants or asylum seekers at the border, some 11,000, 17% fewer beds, which means once that cap is hit or that number is hit, um, uh, you know, by, by uh, talking about by customs of border security, once that cap is hit, anybody comes in, it's now full free reign on uh, catch and release, which is what we saw, of course, uh, expand the number of illegals here under the Obama administration, and 90-plus percent of them don't come back. That's a huge issue here, and couple that, Rob, within this bill, what bothers me is, uh, I found this out this morning, that uh, there also there's language to change the reasons one can seek asylum in the United States. Used to, you know, it had to be religious persecution, political persecution, this, that, and the other thing. Uh, they were all very specific. Now it's domestic violence. So if you feel feel afraid in your home in another country, you get to flee that country and come to the United States. They're making it easier and easier for asylum seekers to come. Then they're going to do capture and release, and they're never going to be uh, they're never going to come back for the hearings. As we know, ninety percent of the time they don't. That's those are the kinds of poison pills that are in this thing, Rob, that bother the heck out of me. Uh, they do, but it is important. Without a cap on ICE detentions, what it means is when they hit whatever bed cap is put in place, they don't have to just stop detaining. And that also gets more to the ability and necessity for the president to declare an emergency. The president may not turn around tomorrow or next week, Bob, and declare an emergency. He may want to and, and decide he needs to wait as, uh, as facts develop. Uh, and these may be some of the things the president and his team are going to be looking at, his Homeland Security team, on when and whether there is a national emergency. Uh, you don't have to catch and release. It is you may have to come back or uh, for, to Congress for other funding or divert other funding to say we can't catch and release. The good thing is, though, it's not an arbitrary uh, level where we just stop detaining and are released. Uh, violent criminals into our society because we have far too low of a level. It's in line with yeah. uh, what has been a workable level so far. It ain't perfect, Bob. Uh, yeah, you're right to criticize it, but I think it becomes workable uh, with yeah, the right I, president holding the power. I, I just hope that long game, like I said, is is going to be something that that answers the questions of the court challenges that does allow him to get you know expeditiously get beyond 55 miles and continue to build the border wall. Which you're right on, and I've been saying for the last two days since we found out the about the framework of this, no longer can Nancy Pelosi or the Democrats play the morality card. They cannot claim because right. if one mile if one mile is is moral, then two thousand miles, and not that they they can do all two thousand miles anyway because of the geography. But you're right, they can no longer object and say this is immoral it is necessary for border security uh rob uh, away from policy now and on to celebrations and i think you described this last time we talked the lincoln day dinner in addition to uh you know uh, uh honoring and paying tribute to the great emancipator and uh and and the republican party it's also kind of the unofficial kickoff of trump for 2020 in the state of ohio and it's one week from today Yes, it is. And, uh, you know, I know our time is limited on the air today, but also of your listeners' time to get their tickets is limited. Only about a couple days left uh, to get uh, tickets for our Lincoln Day dinner. Uh, it is going to be next Thursday, February 21st, as you mentioned. Our keynote speaker is U.S. Senator Rob Portman. We're going to have uh, U.S. Representatives Anthony Gonzalez and Warren Davidson, two of the newest Republican members of the Ohio Delegation of Congress, and we are. We're kicking off the cycle now. Uh, it is all hands on deck to win Ohio again. I don't 
don't believe there's been people out there saying Ohio is firmly red now and no longer in play in presidential politics. Don't believe it for a minute. It's going to be nope. hard fought. You're going to see the Democrats here wanting to win these electoral votes. The Republicans need to be ready, and we can be. We're standing with our president, whether it's today on the issue of the border wall, whether it's for his nomination and, and re-election next year. So it's going to be a great event to hear from these speakers. Uh, we're down at the Holiday in Rockside starting at 5.30 p.m., and if people want to get their tickets, they can go today at uh, CuyahogaCountyGOP.com or give us a call, 216-621-5415. Uh, we're going to be uh, taking uh, reservations for the next couple of days, but time is really limited, and we're pretty close to a sellout as well. We want people to get, uh, get to our website today, make sure they get their seat at this great dinner we're having next Thursday. Rob, I, uh, I put on Facebook after the details of the Green New Deal were released last week, and I put on Facebook, yeah. after, after, after watching the Democrats' extremist call for abortion on demand anytime, anywhere, at any, for any reason, uh, infanticide, along with the Green New Deal, appoint me to the nearest Trump volunteer center. Uh, because, my, mm-hmm. you know what? I mean, I'm, I'm reinvigorated, I'm re-energized, uh, I really haven't lost my energy, but, but I, I, I really feel like that's how it is. They are so extreme they're going far further left than even uh, they were when when hillary ran three years ago and the responses i got on my facebook post on that was me too where can i sign up so so right. you're right it is it is time to to launch that re-election bid here in the state of ohio and do not take anything for granted absolutely so and, and i applaud our governor uh, mike dewine has said uh, give me the heartbeat bill put it on my desk i will sign it uh, we can do this here in Ohio. We can stand with President Trump, Governor DeWine, stand for life. Come on down and join us. Uh, go to CuyahogaCountyGOP.com today. Uh, get your tickets. We'd love to have you join us. Uh, if you're new to being involved in the Republican Party, uh, come on out next week. We would love to have you get working with you for 2020. Amen. That's a great thing to do. So the Lincoln Day Dinner next Thursday, again, at Holiday in Rockside in uh, in Independence, as Rob Frost just said. Get your tickets at CuyahogaCountyGOP.com. Rob, thank you, my friend. I appreciate the uh, the discussion, and I look forward to seeing you next week. Great. Thanks for having me on. Thank you, Rob. Rob Frost, chairman of the GOP in Cuyahoga County, joining us. We're a little late for our news. We'll catch up now on AM 1420, The Answer. of Democrats, please be aware you have now entered the place where political correctness goes to die. This is the Bob France Authority on AM 1420. The answer. Yes, indeed, it is 937 now, the Bob France Authority. We are guest-free the rest of the way this morning, so a lot of opportunities for you to be heard on this bill that the president is going to have to consider once it is ramrodded through without being read by nearly all or technically nearly any of the uh, members of Congress, 1,150 pages plus. Uh, But Lindsey Graham, senator from South Carolina, who has become uh, quite a stalwart when it comes to conservative principles and trying to help uh, support the conservative agenda, Lindsey Graham says the president should take this deal and uh, and then move forward from there. So why should he take this deal? Um, 
The 1.375 can be used to build barriers. Nancy Pelosi said not a dollar for barriers right. or wall. He's going to get almost four, uh, uh, you know. Uh, 1.375. Yeah, he's going to get a lot more than a dollar. He's going to get money for more judges. Nobody talks about that. There yeah. is no limit on bed space like I was worried about. So take this as a down payment. Go into the uh, defense bill and move money around like Congress allowed you to do last year and build this damn wall. I, I like the uh, the enthusiasm there, especially at the end, and the passion about building the doggone wall. But uh, I, I, I fail to see, and I have yet to read this um, in any place uh, comprehensively, that uh, where he says that there is no limit on bed space. Robbie even talked about that, too. There's no cap on ice detentions. And ice detentions and bed space at the border, I think, are different, though, because we're talking about people coming in accept, or uh, applying for asylum requesting asylum, and then uh, either being turned loose into the American population or being detained until their hearings. And if those bed spaces run out, the belief is that in this bill, uh, it's going to open the door to catch and release. Okay, you've been caught either sneaking into the country illegally or coming to our ports of entry and requesting asylum. And uh, we're going to hold on to you until we uh, process that and see what your actual status is. Uh, now we're going to have to turn them loose. And that is a recipe for disaster. That is a recipe that the Obama administration cooked with, and we saw where that where that where that led. Uh, this unchecked illegal immigration causing enormous problems in the United States, from a level of crime to a level of uh, of uh, drugs being brought into this country. Remember the largest bust that we have seen of a single uh, shipment or a single amount of fentanyl that we have seen in just uh, really ever it just happened two weeks ago. So you got this this nonstop assault on our border uh, from illegal immigrants, drug runners, human traffickers, coyotes, and so on and so forth. And you know we're gonna we're gonna end up having to catch and release. That's gonna signal to the other caravans that follow behind the one that's at the border now. It's gonna signal to others who may not be a part of a caravan, but they're just gonna make their run at it. And moreover, it's gonna signal to very dangerous bad actors around the world that the time is now to make the run get to central america and then make the run up through mexico uh, and we're talking about people from other parts of the world whether they be parts of the middle east or parts of europe parts of africa parts of everywhere uh they may not necessarily be you know it may be far worse than just you know uh drug cartels uh, and and drug runners and mules and so on and so forth there may be some very bad people because the, the message is going to get around the world that the U.S. is open for business again. They didn't build their wall, and they're doing catch and release. If you get popped crossing their border illegally, or if you go there and say, I'm here for asylum, and their beds are already full, they're going to let you loose. Then you go on right into the city of your choice and, and begin your business, whatever that might be. Maybe innocent, harmless, other than taking jobs away, or it might be, obviously, a little bit more nefarious. We just don't know. And that's the problem. All this country has asked to do is keep track of who's here. Is that asking so much? Is that racist to say we need to know who's here and how long they're going to be here, for what purpose they're here? And then we need to ensure that they leave when their uh, visitation stay is ended? That's not racism. That's having sovereignty. That is having a country. And it's something we cannot allow to be taken away from us. So I'm I'm really at a crossroads here with the president uh, and his decision he has to make here. Part of me agrees with Rob Frost and some others, Lindsey Graham, 
who say, take this as a down payment. They can't play the immoral card anymore. If you build one mile and it's moral, then you can build, you know, uh, you know, a thousand miles of wall and it's moral because it's needed for the purposes of protecting the people of the United States. So part of me says, yeah, sign it, Mr. Trump. Let's see what the long game is. Use the executive uh, authority. Uh, declare the national emergency at the border. Whatever you have to do, do it. But part of me says, you know what? We can't let them win. We can't let them change the definition of amnesty. We cannot let them. There's other things in this, too, by the way, that are really, really important that not a lot of people are talking about, including back pay for contractors that didn't work during the shutdown. Mind you, we're not talking about furloughed federal employees. We're talking about contractors that we work with and we hire that essentially work at the government's discretion. Like you, if you hire a contractor to do so, an addition on your house and um, you decide you don't want that addition anymore, they don't get paid for work that they didn't do. you got to pay them for what they have done, but they don't get paid for work they haven't done. That might not be the best example, but you understand the point. There's contractors who are working long-term projects for the United States government, and if they're told, yeah, you're off now, we're not doing anything right now, we're freezing our budget for a while, they don't get back pay. It's never happened before. But it's in this bill, the Democrats slipped that in, along with the amnesty and along with the beds and some of the other things. There's just too much garbage in this bill, and even worse, we won't know about all that garbage until it's passed. Because they waive the 72-hour reading period. They expect this to just be voted on because, well, a, bi-co- or a bipartisan conference committee did all the work, so since two parties were involved, then everybody must be happy with it. Let's vote yay. No. Because I'll be quite honest with you. I don't trust a lot of the Republican lawmakers to be doing what's right by the country. I don't. I have a big, big question a big problem and a lot of questions for the Republican side of the bipartisan conference committee that negotiated this thing. Because I don't think all of them are on board with the president. If all of the Republicans in Congress were on board with the president, this wall would have been built two years ago. Or at least construction would have begun because we had control of the House. We had control of the Senate. And while we still have control of the Senate, Not with a veto-proof majority, obviously. We no longer have control of the House. If all the Republicans could be trusted, we'd be building by now. So I don't trust them. I don't trust them that they're all rowing in the same direction as the President of the United States. And I hope the President has a long game not just to deal with the Democrat obstructionists who continue to try to, A, deny the people what they voted for when they voted for Donald Trump, who said, I will build a wall, and they were given a choice between him and Hillary Clinton, who said, I see an open borders western hemisphere. They said, wall, that's what we wanted. Now the Democrats want to deny the people what they voted for, and they want to uh, essentially abdicate their own responsibility, their own oath of office that they have taken to protect and preserve the United States uh, of America. And that includes her borders, it includes her homeland, it includes her sovereignty. I don't trust the Democrats, and if I can't trust all the Republicans to stand up to them, well, then I don't know what the president's move is here. You tell me, 216-901-0945, Either of those numbers will get you up and on the radio. We'll take a time out for traffic now and come back to your phone calls. And also, yes, you probably heard it sometime between yesterday and today. The Democrat Party is now being represented, first and foremost, not by the Speaker of the House, third in line to the presidency, Nancy Pelosi, not 
by the Senate Minority Leader Chuck Schumer, but by freshmen, women, Democrat members of Congress who are off the rails. I am not talking this time about Alexandria Ocasio-Kelly Bundio-Cortez. This time I'm talking about anti-American, anti-Jewish, anti-Semitic, Muslim representative Ilhan Omar, who yesterday took things too far. I'll explain that and let you hear the unbelievable audio if you haven't already. If you missed it on Hugh Hewitt this morning, you'll hear it here on the Bob France Authority coming up next. Won't you look down upon me, Jesus? You gotta help me make a stand. You just got to see me through another day. HP Print Security. All right, 951, now the Bob France Authority on AM 1420, The Answer. I want to take a phone call or two, and then I want to share with you the uh, audio from co- uh, committee testimony yesterday uh, and questioning that is uh, among the worst that I have ever heard coming from uh, any committee hearing or full House session in the uh, United States Congress, ever, ever a sitting member of the U.S. Congress calling American troops terrorists, rapists, and worse, all to score political points in defense of a socialist nation that she supports. That's right. Socialist Ilan Omar supporting the socialist nation of Venezuela with their president that is continuing to destroy uh, the opportunity for his people to eat, to be clothed, to be housed with that horrifically failed model uh, destroy, trying to destroy the reputation of the U.S. in the process. It's one of the most reprehensible things I have ever seen, and I think you'll agree when you listen to it. But first, Mike in Cleveland wants to talk about the wall, and he's got a solution for us. Mike, good to have you on the program. Go right ahead. How you doing, Bob? Thanks for Good, Mike. Call. Yes, sir. Um, two quick points. Uh, I think the president should uh, threaten to veto it and leave the government open for three more weeks you know, until they figure this out. He says, I don't like the bill. It's terrible. It's got a lot of crap in there that that uh, doesn't have anything to do with the, the wall or, or border security. Anyways, keep the government open for three more weeks and come back with me with a better bill. You know, that's exactly what Daniel Horowitz said to me yesterday. Uh, he said two weeks. They signed a two-week CR or three-week CR, whatever the case might be, and continue to put this on the front burner as opposed to passing this now and then uh, getting the pittance that you got and tabling it all the way through September and the end of the fiscal year. That is, uh, that is a, That's a problem for me, too. I kind of agree with you and Daniel that maybe it's best to veto this and tell them bring me something clean for two weeks that we can fund the way things are right now and let's continue this conversation. But I don't know that the Democrats would be willing to do that, they'd probably favor a shutdown the president would be blamed for. And yeah, well, hopefully they'd be blamed for the shutdown. And number two, I heard this the other day, this sounds really good, um, you have the uh, governors of the states, Republican states uh, along the border, being Texas and Nevada, have them declare national emergency, and that cannot be challenged if the governors, you know, uh, declare it and ask for uh, federal funds to 
you know, to help out on the board. Yeah, well, they, they can't declare a national emergency. They could declare an emergency or oh, request declaration of an emergency in their state and then request funding to be sent from the feds to them for that. Uh, you probably heard that here because I was talking about that with Peter Kirstenau <laughs> on this program. And, um, yes. and, and, and Mike, I, I love the idea. 100% honest. I love the idea. That's why I asked Pete if it would pass muster legally. And unfortunately, Pete, who can be a bit of a wet blanket at times, said, uh, uh, that there would be a, a number of problems with that. Um, uh, you cannot guarantee that even if you got this to be heard, you know, the legal challenge in the state of Texas, for example, in the Fifth Court of Appeals as opposed to the Ninth Circuit, uh, that any judge is going to agree with the declaration of an emergency on the southern border. Um, and, and and, and thus, you know, green light the uh, the federal funding. So, I like the idea because it's outside the box, and it's uh, it's something that we haven't, you know, we haven't heard before. Um, and who knows how it would go before, you know, before a court challenge in Texas. I'm willing to try it, but Peter kind of indicated that that might not be the best way to go because legally he could see it being defeated. Uh, but thank you, my friend. I appreciate the phone call. Listen, it's five minutes before the hour, and I and I want to get at least part of this in. I can't get the entire thing in now, so I want to get part of this in. Okay. Yesterday, uh, in the uh, in a uh, House committee hearing on the best path forward to deal with Venezuela, because as you know, the United States has, uh, has established official policy that they do not support the uh, the government of Maduro, who continues to destroy the people uh, of that nation. Uh, we are trying to promote freedom, democracy, and an opportunity for the people there to choose their own leadership. And uh, so there was a there was a committee hearing yesterday, the House Foreign Affairs Committee, and Representative Ilan Omar, who is fresh off of a rebuke from her own party, by the way, for her anti-Semitic remarks. Let me rephrase her most recent anti-Semitic remarks, because she has a history of them. Somehow, some way, this known anti-Semite, this Muslim representative, freshman from Minnesota, who hates the Jews, hates Israel hates the American support of Israel, somehow Democrat leadership put her on the House Foreign Affairs Committee. <laughs> you got to scratch your head on that. She then uh, decided yesterday in this hearing to personally attack the U.S. Special Envoy to Venezuela to attack him based on American foreign policy back in the Reagan era. And she decided that this particular individual is a liar. She decided that, that, that Elliot Abrams, our special envoy, can't be trusted. And then she proceeded to declare the United States responsible for rapes and murders and attacks of civilians in El Salvador. I'm not making that up. I wish I were. I'm only going to be able to give you part of this right now before the top uh, of the hour. Thank you all for being here, and thank you. for your uh, testimonies. Mr. Adams, in 1991, you pleaded... I must stop right there. The Muslim freshman representative, anti-Semitic Ilan Omar, doesn't even know the witnesses' names as she reads from prepared text, obviously typed for her and given to her to attack, attack uh, the U.S. policy in Venezuela and to attack the credibility of the witness, Mr. Abrams. She calls him Mr. Adams. First of all, she can't even read what her staff has written for her. And second of all, the nature of the attack is just simply I, I, I might dare say unprecedented. Guilty to two counts of withholding information from Congress 
regarding your involvement in the Iran Cortra affair, for which you were later pardoned by President George H.W. Bush. I fail to understand uh, why members of this committee or the American people should find any testimony that you give uh, today to be truthful. If I can respond to that. Uh, um, it wasn't a question. I on that was it not that was not a question that was the, I I reserve the right I'm to my time it is not it is not right that was not a question he can attack on February 8th who is not permitted to reply that that was not a question Thank I'm going to let that hang out there I guess through the news um, she just told the US envoy to Venezuela that he's a liar and he can't be trusted to tell the truth then why are you spending time questioning him? I reserve the right to my time. That wasn't a question. You have to sit there and allow me to attack your character, your honesty, your integrity, and you have to sit there and take it. I reserve the right to my time. The American people reserve, uh, uh, deserve, uh, rather, the American people deserve members of Congress who are not openly anti-American, who are not openly anti-Semitic, who are not openly anti-Israel, and who are not liars like this piece of filth that the people of Minnesota saw fit to elect to Congress. And if the Democrats don't do something about her in putting a muzzle on her and telling her to close it, to shut her mouth and stop embarrassing not only their party but the United States of America, if they don't do something... It's going to go off the rails in every conf or, uh, every uh, congressional hearing that she is a part of. It is going to get worse. If you thought, Mr. Abrams, I thought, showed an extraordinary amount of restraint after that line of questioning. You don't think that every single person giving testimony is going to be able to do that, do that, do you? When people of Jewish descent or of the Jewish faith appear before her, can you imagine how this is going to be? They had better find a way to close her mouth. They had better find a way to bring her under control, lest she truly becomes, along with Cortez, the modern Democrat Party. And the United States of America is changed forever. Much, much more from that explosive hearing yesterday, and my thoughts on it as well, coming up after the news, AM 1420. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.